2: Welcome to The Table. We discuss issues of God and culture, and our topic today is one that has been literally buzzing through. The, the television and our culture and social media, it's religious liberty and issues of discrimination. And my guest today is Jeff Mateer, who's general counsel for the Liberty Institute. Uh, they specialize in cases related to religious liberty, among other things. Uh, he's a former corporate litigator, a graduate of SMU Law School. And uh, I'm Darrell Bach, executive director for cultural engagement at the Hendrick Center here at Dallas Seminary. and. Uh, this topic has been rolling and going, but before we get into it, Jeff, why don't you tell people a little bit about your own background and how you came to work with the Liberty Institute, and then we'll ta- dive into the topic.
0: Sure, thanks, uh, Professor Bach. Um, well, I'm a was trained as a corporate lawyer, graduated from SMU, and, and like. Most students who do well was recruited by Corporate America, and that's what I did for 19 years and represented people like the NCA and ConAgra Foods and Ford Motor Company. And what I didn't know is that that God sort of had something else in mind for me. He was giving me that corporate training. I thought I wanted to be a judge. Uh, Met with my friend Kelly Shackelford, uh, who I'd volunteered on some religious liberty cases. And and Kelly... the Lord using him, of course, uh, convinced me that my calling was bigger than being a judge. It, it was to come help him and eventually come and work at Liberty Institute, where I've been the last five years overseeing the legal team there. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been an incredible ride the last five years. I joined him five years ago. Today, right now, I've got 110 cases on our docket hmm. in 20 states hmm. where, where we're defending people of faith and faith-based organizations who, in some way, their
2: religious liberty rights are being infringed. Now, uh, that's interesting. Uh, and, and why don't you tell us uh, – do you remember the first religious liberty case you ever worked on? I, I do,
0: because it, 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 it was it, – for me, it was, it was one of those life-changing things, and it really gave me the idea that I could do this full time. Uh, Kelly had called me about a group of senior citizens in Balch Springs. And, of course, you and I know we're Balt Springs because we're sitting in downtown Dallas. But right. Balt Springs is a little suburb near Mesquite, Texas. And well, in, that'll
2: help about uh, one-tenth of our audience right, right. <laughs> just outside
0: Dallas-Fort yeah, Worth. Yeah, about <laughs> 20 miles from here, yeah. from, from downtown Dallas, east-east. Uh, and Balt Springs, a group of senior citizens were meeting – in a public building, Mm -hmm. and they were doing radical things, these senior citizens. They were having a devotional before Mm. their meal, Mm. they were praying over their meal, and they were singing gospel music. Mm. And someone somewhere at the city thought that was wrong, Mm. and so they issued an edict Thou shalt not do these things anymore because this is a public building. And Kelly got me involved in that case, and we were able, we actually ended up having a a, a a court hearing on it and eventually prevailing hmm. uh, and restoring those senior citizens' rights. But, uh, you know, I did that, That I guess now, probably 15 years ago or so. And the uh, result was now I'm general counsel, Liberty Institute, got these cases all over the country, but that got me
2: hooked. I see. So, so you got to be careful what you say yes to, huh? Absolutely. That's Absolutely. Great. Well, let's 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 dive in. We've had Kelly, of course, on before to talk in particular about the Hobby Lobby case, and this is not completely unrelated because of some of the issues that come up. But it certainly has created a storm. And I thought what we would do is kind of do a kind of legal 101 to start off with for people who one don't have a legal background and two don't know really the language that's used when these cases get discussed, and particularly with all the buzz that you hear in the public square over the news media, etc. Um, getting some sense and anchor about how the law actually looks at these cases is, is, can be pretty important. So I'm going to go through some General categories and let you talk about them as a lawyer, and if you can translate legalese into into everyday English for us, that'll help us. So let's start off with with, with civil rights, and uh, because everyone sees these cases, or at least it gets framed as a civil rights or a human rights issue, um, and it certainly belongs in that category. So when we talk about when the law talks about civil rights, what what exactly is it addressing?
0: Well, I mean, c- civil rights obviously our foundation. In this country is the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And the founders, when they adopted the Constitution, at first we didn't have a Bill of Rights, mm-hmm. but in their wisdom, a few years later, they decided we're going to articulate originally in 10 Amendments. What are the particular protections? And really, out of those amendments come our civil rights. And, and from the 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 federal perspective, and of course, the founders would say we're not all we're doing. We're not granting the rights. We're recognizing that rights that God had already granted. And so they write them down. So there are certain things that the Constitution provides and gives us the right to. The First Amendment talks about some of those, which which include freedom of religion, include freedom of the press, freedom of the association. Court. Fundamental rights. Freedom of speech is in that group. Freedom of speech, Mm -hmm. and then later, of course, we had a civil war, Mm -hmm. and out of the civil war came the 13th, 14th, and 15th amendments, abolishing slavery and giving rights that you cannot discriminate on the basis of originally race, Mm -hmm. and since out of that we've expanded to include sex, Mm -hmm. and all those are sort of a group of rights that that we would refer to as civil rights. So it's the right to the, the right to to speak, mm-hmm. the right to believe, mm-hmm. the right to be free from discrimination mm-hmm. because of your race, because of your sex. Mm-hmm. Um, all those would, would be considered civil rights.
2: And of course it's important just for historical context to say that when these uh, amendments were originally passed that there were times in which certain races were excluded, certain genders were excluded, and didn't have certain rights. You know, women having the right to vote is is in our history actually relatively recent, more recent than the than the length of our than the length of our total existence. That kind of thing, and, and so it was these kinds of affirmations that were coming. And and what in part is happening here in our society is is that if I can say it this way, new categories are being are being attached to these, to these rights. Is that, is that part of what's well, going on? Well, I think
0: I think what has happened is that as as time has passed and groups in our country have gained more and more power and more and more the ability to, to let their views be known, there's been pressure put on to expand the group of rights. Mm-hmm. And so you even have people today arguing that that there's a right to housing
3: mm-hmm.
0: that 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 you know obviously in out of the abortion situation in 1973 the supreme court found that there was a right to abortion. Mm-hmm. And that now has came into the cadre of rights. Now the founders, of course, never envisioned a right to abortion. They didn't en- en- envision a right to housing. I mean, mm-hmm. when they wrote down the the, the 10 uh, amendments uh, to the Constitution, those rights were not imagined. And I would think that the, that the framers of the 14th Amendment right after the Civil War they were dealing with race, mm-hmm. n- nothing more. Mm-hmm. And and that's what they envisioned. However, there's been pressure put on uh, because of these special interest groups, and those rights have expanded, or the arguments have expanded. And largely, the rights have been created by court. To the extent that the rights have been extended, it's because of, of activist judges who've extended more and more. So you have some court decisions talking about Housing. Uh, there have been arguments about the right to travel. I mean, the, and so it's it, what is a core common right, civil right? It, it is an everlast. It is an ever expanding list. Sometimes further from what the framers intended, uh, as opposed to you know, like a judicial activist would have. And
2: so, how much? Uh, boy, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm going to try and stay out of getting into a philosophical fog here. But I do think in this case the question important, and that is, how much? How much? Obviously, is cu- obviously, culture and worldview are impacting what's going on here. That that we aren't merely. Um, I mean, we could talk about strict framing or or activism and that kind of thing, but really what we've got is an issue in which the question is being raised, what core human rights should people have, and what should not be a disqualifier, if I can say it that way? Is is that what we wrestle with when the courts move to expand these categories? I I think they're – attempting to ask, at least at one level, some some core legal and philosophical questions simultaneously. Is that is that true? Yeah,
0: everything's about worldview. Yeah. I mean, I think everything everything that comes out is what is your worldview determines how how you answer that question and 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 certainly on the on the court today uh, there are three, three or four judges uh, that, that kind of have the conservative approach. They come from a worldview, a more conservative worldview. Uh, that they come from a worldview that they look at it as as God granted the rights, and so they're looking at at really God and nature uh, to see what are those rights. That's the same view that the founders would have taken. And then I think on the other side of the court, again there are four, maybe mm-hmm. five, uh, depending on the issue, who look at the issues and say, no, well, you know, we can look at today. Uh, and based upon what society needs, the way society's changed, those rights have expanded. And you know, just because a r- there wasn't a right 30 years ago, doesn't mean that there can't be a right today, based upon societal changes. That's all dependent on worldview.
2: And 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 really, the other part of the worldview issue that that plays in here is is that everyone recognizes that our society is structured to be. Diverse in one way or another. I mean, we, I mean, uh, I, I like to, I like to pose the question this way. You know, when when our founding documents were being written, you had someone like a John Adams, who certainly would have been viewed as a very orthodox Christian, but you also had someone like a Thomas Jefferson, who wouldn't have be defined in that category at all. But they were able to sit down at a table and try and design a government in which they felt like they both could work. Uh, uh, side by side with one another and function as a society together. And so, so there is an element of, uh, of our, our core documents attempting to establish a society that is recognizably diverse on the one hand and yet is able to function on the other. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the core societal tensions we always deal with because everybody doesn't think the same about these issues. And so, how do you coexist as a, in a society when you've got that level of difference?
0: No, I think that's I think that's that's exactly right. I, I think that that you know what makes America great has been the the idea that that you know our country was formed and people came here with diverse. Views on religion, diverse views on politics, et cetera, and they were able to work together and sit down. You know, today in the environment we're in, um, that's becoming harder and harder mm-hmm. because if if you don't hold the politically correct view, then you know you're you're called lots of really bad names.
2: Yeah, and 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 I have I'll get your read on this, but my read is is that is that bo- to some degree both sides are a little bit guilty in that conversation in in, in terms of. Of, um, of not being willing to engage in the kind of dialogue or discussion that's necessary to kind of hammer out, all right, what, where how do we actually can make this work as opposed to simply digging in in terms of where they are? Is it that our worldviews have become that so diverse that it, we're now locked in in this mode or, or is it, uh, it or have we lost something that we used to have? Or I, is it a little of both? I think, I
0: think it's a little of both. I, I, th- I certainly believe, that some of the things that we believe is core American and core American and principles are are changing. I mean one of the ones we're going to talk about is is the view of religious freedom and the importance of religious freedom and what that means. Um, what we're seeing today and, and just, you know, uh, the, the, the last few weeks, but but really over the last year is a lessening of we used to think that religious freedom was an important value. It, it was important to promote. It was important to have. And what would happen for conservative Christians, the idea – the argument back against us always was, well, you're trying to impose some sort of Christian theocracy. Uh, and, and there may have been people on the conservative right who were trying to do that. Um, I, I've, in, in my job, I rarely run into people yeah, advocating that. Yeah, not the that. bulk of
2: people. No, the not at all.
0: But today, it's mm-hmm. – if you have those conservative, uh, whether it be Christian, let's just say Judeo-Christian beliefs, then, then you're being ostracized and – and, and that and, and that, you, that those beliefs are not only – I mean, they're being belittled and, and uh, you know, you're severely criticized if you hold them in that environment. We didn't have that five years ago, and I know we're going to talk about Religious Freedom Restoration Acts, mm-hmm. but if you look back um, 25, 30 years ago, religious freedom was a bipartisan issue. It mm-hmm. wasn't a partisan issue, and I'm not talking Democrat, Republican. I'm just talking uh, in, in America on the political spectrum. But today. Um, that, that's no longer the case, and and that's a we're no longer valuing. I often when I get to speak to pastors, uh, and, and do pastors conferences, I, I, I talk about you know there, we used to live in an America that respected churches, that mm-hmm. respected pastors, mm-hmm. respected leaders of of, of of religious institutions. Well, you look at look at George Barna's surveys today. Mm-hmm. I mean. Pastors are right there with us lawyers. Mm-hmm. That's not a good place to be, by the way, <laughs> uh, at all. And and you know we're seeing. I mean, just I I was just just with a, a rabbi mm-hmm. who's in our city of Dallas, mm-hmm. who this, who's in litigation with the city of Dallas to exist.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: We, we never have those cases, mm-hmm. you know, to have churches being told they can't move to a certain area of town mm-hmm. because because they're a church. We don't want a church there anymore because we'll lose the tax. Benefit. Um, we, we didn't have those cases, but mm-hmm. it, it's that I, I think our culture—we just we don't think religion's important, mm-hmm. uh, uh, unfortunately, and 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 we've lost. And boy, we we could go down a big rabbit trail there uh, yeah. uh, about about you know the, the rule of the, the rule of churches and and the rule rule of religious institutions in our society and and the importance to communities and why it's becoming less and less that this is I mean that we're somehow. Letting there to be churches is somehow inconv- is an inconvenience, and maybe we'll let them, but boy, they're not important, which is, I mean, that's, that's a new thought. Hmm. That's not something we had.
1: God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture.
2: A well, well, I, I've, we've only gotten through one of these, so let me let me take on the second one. Let's talk about discrimination legally. What is considered to be discrimination? Has that been changing in terms of the way it's been defined, or well, is, that, is 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 that a pretty sh- relatively straightforward category, or at least until recently?
0: Well, it, it, I guess the question. I mean, the the, the word discrimination uh, I- itself that's not changing. It's who
2: mm-hmm. and
0: who is protected, and mm-hmm. so I- in the law. Uh, and this really comes primarily out of race. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1964, uh, the Congress, uh, and then eventually signed by – originally thought up by President Kennedy, mm-hmm. but it was signed by President Johnson after – President Kennedy's assassination was the idea that we were going to outlaw discrimination, and and so the question goes: discrimination against whom mm-hmm. and in what areas? Mm-hmm. And in 1964, they had a, a vision of what that was, mm-hmm. and it, again, it was primarily race was mm-hmm. was, was was the um, uh, reason that got expanded to sex, mm-hmm. and now the push is to expand it even more so. And of course, we all know that there, there are letters now we want to expand it, and it. I always – the easy one is LGBT, mm-hmm. but if we were here with some of my lawyers at Liberty Institute, they would remind me that it's a lot longer than LGBT these days. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's expanding who can be free from discrimination, mm-hmm. uh, race, sex, religion. Those were the original thoughts. Now it's ex- now it's expanding to sexual orientation in some places. Mm-hmm. It's expanding to gender identity in some places, and who knows what tomorrow um, that that th- th- that will bring. Yeah. Then the other part of discrimination. Okay, discrimination in what areas? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it again, it's discriminate the federal government. Okay, that's one entity. Can the federal government discriminate on the basis of religion? Can the federal government discriminate on the basis of race? Those things were taken care of through amendments to the Constitution. Um,
2: so that's your Fourteenth. That's the Fourteenth Amendment,
0: amendment. Yeah. incorporating the right. First Amendment and, and other parts of the Constitution. So we have that. So that's when the when the government, whether it be federal government, state government, local governments, th- there's a prohibition against uh, against discrimination, religion, race. Sex, uh, and then beyond that, what in 1964 did is because you know the First Amendment does not apply between private set- citizens. Yes, if is... I tell you you can't speak,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and 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 I you know you can't speak, mm-hmm. and and you say oh you're violating my First Amendment rights. No, we're private citizens. It it only applies against the government. So, in certain areas. Uh, in 1964, when when Congress passed uh, what's known as Title VII, expanded that mm-hmm. for areas of employment, for instance. Mm-hmm. So if if someone, if an employer fires someone a pri- in the private context, that they didn't have a claim that you were violating race or you're violating their religion until gov- until the federal government passed a law that said thou shall not mm-hmm. in the private context. So mm-hmm. you got employment. You have housing. Mm -hmm. And the push now is to expand that into more and more areas. Mm -hmm. And so who is being discriminated against. That's being expanded. Mm-hmm. Again, sometimes by Congress, mm-hmm. other times by activist judges, mm-hmm. sometimes by local governments. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen that conflict recently. And then also you have what is the category? W- what are the categories that that the government can be involved in to say you can't you can't discriminate? That's in a violation. Public accommodations, right. for, for instance. Right. If you have a place that a business that's open to the public, you cannot discriminate. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we have a consensus in in our country that. Race is one of those things Mm -hmm. that we're not going to allow discrimination, Mm -hmm. private or public, based upon race. Mm -hmm. We're not going to allow discrimination based upon religion, Mm -hmm. public or private. The push now is to expand that into lots of more and more categories. Um, unfortunately, it's not Congress who's acting. It, a lot of times, it's it, it it's through judicial cases, or what we've seen in in the last few months, is the president is issuing executive orders mm-hmm. expanding who can be who can bring claims of discrimination,
2: but in also what areas and, and, and in process trying to set precedents that then can become uh, understood as the law. Absolutely. Yeah. Now. Um, so we've got. You've mentioned a couple of entities here, just to be clear for people. So we've got governments on the one hand, we've got uh, individual citizens on the other, in a, another category that's come into the discussion as kind of a, a quasi personal entity, if I can say it that way, or corporations and how they're viewed. That's part of the hobby lobby discussion: is mm-hmm. can a corporation be viewed as having rights as a As a person, at least when it's owned, when when its owners are predominantly individuals whose views then can reflect its values, Um, that's part of the Hobby Lobby case. So we so we've got various entities that we're dealing with here, as to who. Who might or might not be participating in discrimination. The government can't do it. Right. Um, individuals now are, theoretically aren't supposed to be able to do it, and, uh, depending on how laws are written. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and corporations are where in this? Mix? No, well, corporations, I mean, the Hobby Lobby case tells us corporations are persons. Mm-hmm.
0: That's the Dictionary Act, which is a, a federal law that interprets. You know, defines the words, and so uh, generally corporations are considered they're, they're, they are
2: persons, and so they are covered just like an individual is right now. Okay, so that that kind of lays the groundwork. Now let's talk about religious liberty a second. Uh, we've we've talked about uh, where it comes from. I, I think we've pretty much taken care of equal protection in what we've said in terms of the Fourteenth Amendment and that kind of thing. Let's talk about religious liberty. This um, th- this is. People would say this is one of the foundational rights. This goes back to the Bill of Rights in the in 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 the very beginning. Um, what is religious liberty and what isn't religious liberty? And the reason I'm asking that question is is that some people think uh, there's a difference in the language of, of freedom of religion versus freedom from religion. So, yeah. so how do we work through that language? No, it's
0: good. And and I go back and and uh, it it it. Uh, it is not necessarily my view. I think I'm articulating the view of the founders. And you know, the founders believed that religious freedom was a foundational freedom. And when those men met in Philadelphia and and they and the push was, okay, we need we need a Bill of Rights to protect us from this federal government that 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 just a couple years ago Past, they had formed. We want we want to protect ourselves from this federal government. You know, the first thing when they wrote the first amendment, the first phrase of the first amendment is to protect religious freedom, mm-hmm. and pro- prohibit the federal government from establishing the establishment of religion, prohibit the federal government from uh, pro- prohibiting the free exercise thereof, and and that became the foundational freedom. So what what is that? Now they could have used a lot of different words, mm-hmm. and the founders were extremely intelligent men who debated these issues, understood these issues. They could have said freedom of worship. Mm-hmm. Some countries, that's what they they have in their constitutions. Mm-hmm. They talk about protecting freedom of worship. Mm-hmm. The founders deliberately, and, and really you go back to the Virginia, the debate over the Virginia freedom, mm-hmm. uh, uh, religious freedom law that, that is a predecessor to our First Amendment, and really Jefferson and Madison involved in, in that. Of course, Matt Jefferson was not in involved in the debate over the First Amendment. He was in France. Mm -hmm. Um, But Madison was there. And so they understood what they had done in Virginia. They didn't want freedom of worship. They wanted something so much more. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important because freedom of worship really talks about what we do on Sunday mornings Mm -hmm. and and the view of of what happens inside our church, inside the synagogue, inside the place of worship. Mm -hmm. And it's that believing there and you know, speaking there, not going outside that. The founders rejected that notion. Now they certainly wanted protect protect freedom of worship, but they chose words that that were beyond that. So you're saying a bigger concept, a lot bigger concept. and and the and the concept they used was free exercise. Mm-hmm. And free exercise is not just simply believing something. Mm-hmm. It's acting on those beliefs. Mm-hmm. And that's at its core. That's religious liberty. Religious liberty is being able to believe and then to act on those beliefs mm-hmm. it's not just believing it's being able to act on those beliefs which includes speech and in, in a lot of our cases we handle you'll see it's it's religious speech is involved which is another uh, part of the first amendment and, and we have protection there but religious freedom is I mean it implicates speech, it implicates association, other things that the founders also put down in the First Amendment. But it's it's that it's that it's that right to believe, it's that right to act on those beliefs. That is at its core what religious
2: liberty and, is. And, and there's an I'm going to put a synonym in here. It may or may not work. But when we think, if you were to secularize this concept at all, you'd be talking about not via, not the state doesn't have a right to to ask someone to violate their conscience in some ways is is, is, that, is that a good yeah, synonym of Yeah and the right?
0: and the founders would have been very comfortable with that because they interchangeably would use religion and conscience that's because right. it came from the same thing and mm-hmm. and I, that's exactly it is freedom of conscience yeah. and it's to act on that and, yeah. and, and 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 to be able to not just believe it I mean, you can believe – think of conscience and think of, you know, the, the best – when I think of conscience, the first thing that comes to mind are conscientious objectors, right? Right,
2: right, right. People
0: who didn't want to go to Vietnam. Right, right. Well, think if the government said, okay, you don't want – Jeff, you don't have to go – you can believe you don't have to go to Vietnam. But you're going. <laughs> but you're going anyways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we're not invading your right to
2: believe. That's right.
0: You can believe whatever you yeah, want.
2: that's not what it means. And that's not what it
0: means. Yeah. And that's never what it meant.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think that's important. I, I think getting this – concept down clearly on the table is going to help us when we come to these particular laws. Okay, so now let's transition and and take a look specifically at at these laws that we're dealing with. what is what is the controversy that's been attached? I do want to deal with one, perhaps, misunderstanding that I think is important to clarify at the start, and that is that sometimes these laws have been said to mirror exactly the laws that were passed under Clinton in 1993. And at least technically speaking, that's probably not true, that the, that the scope of what these laws were, at least as originally written, the more recent laws, uh, not only deals with how the, the government handles are, handles these areas, but also deals with and gives rights to corporations, some of these other entities that we're talking about. So we've talked about because we had, we had government, we had individuals, and then we had corporations. And so, um, so some of the pushback that came from the Indiana law in particular was that it that it expanded the 1993 law. In fact, I even have a, uh, a Facebook tweet from, from Schumer uh, who wrote the 1993 law saying, Saying, no, this was an expansion. The idea that this was a mirror isn't exactly correct. So is that true Te- or not? Technically correct. Okay. However,
0: what I would ask them is what I'd ask the people who are now saying that oh they, they, these are different. Well, first off, it's technically correct. Mm-hmm. At their core, they're not different, mm-hmm. and, and and at their at their core, they're to protect the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I would tell you, you know at Liberty Institute, what what we've been working on and telling states who don't have these protections is adopt the federal language. Verbatim, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Uh, because that is that's that's the first thing which takes care of probably ninety percent of the issues, Mm -hmm. Uh, and it is technically correct that Indiana um, and Arkansas and Arkansas originally Mm -hmm. did not verbatim adopt. Uh, the the, the RFRA. also although to defend the folks in Indiana I will tell you what they were doing is since 1993 the new attacks have come up and they were they were being a little more specific in their language to combat the, the, the they the, the, actually those were
2: incorporating things that were already implied in the Hobby Lobby decision for example so uh, so if we're going to expand judicial judgment and then apply it in one area, then we ought to be able to do it in the others. Shouldn't we think of it that way? Yeah, you're exactly right.
0: What they did is they said some things that that the court found in Hobby Lobby Mm -hmm. that they were trying to put into their law Mm -hmm. so that judges couldn't change that view later. And certainly Mm -hmm. Indiana State Court – in the case of Indiana, Indiana State Court judges applying Indiana law would then follow the Hobby Lobby decision, which they wouldn't be bound to do because... The Hobby Lobby comes out of the federal system interpreting a federal law. They wanted to make sure they're Indiana law, so they went ahead and spelled it out.
1: Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. For more podcasts like this one, visit dts.edu slash thetable. Join us next week for part two. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well.